I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Heavenly Father, we just come before your throne, the throne of grace. We thank you, Father God, for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your ministry in the earth. We acknowledge you. We thank you. We worship you. We give you honor tonight. I ask that you would take the things that are concerning you and your gifts and reveal it unto us, all of us that are here And we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory for everything that's done. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I was going to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it looks like that was already done a couple weeks ago because it's very important to be filled with the Holy Spirit before we get into talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how they operate and how they manifest. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in and talk about Uh, the gifts of the spirit themselves and tonight's going to be simply an introduction to the gifts of the spirit so with that being said it says in Matthew 7 24 and 25 that whosoever hears these sayings of mine Jesus said and does them I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house And it did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. So what he's saying in the scriptures, it's very important that we build our lives, our ministries, our, uh, our, our homes, our families on the word of God. So that when the winds come, when the storms come and beat against our house, our house will not fall. Um, so it's very important that we we say that the word of God should be priority, should be our foundation, and that it's important that we should never build a church or a ministry on the gifts of the spirit. With all the manifestations that Catherine Coleman operated in, she still had a teaching ministry. She didn't. Um, Hi. If you could just mute yourself, that would be great. She didn't build her ministry on the gifts of the spirit, even though that they were majorly in manifestation. She still was a teacher. She was a Bible teacher. She spoke, she taught. So it's important for us to remember that we should never build a church or a ministry on the gifts of the spirit. Now, if we have too much word, we dry up. Okay. If we have too much spirit, we blow up. If we get both the combination of the word and the spirit, we will grow up. We need both. The Bible says that the spirit and the word, they agree. So we need both the word and the spirit. We should, we should have a balance of both. And, you know, the Holy Spirit, we talked last, the last time we were together, you know, he has moods. He has ways he likes to operate and ways he likes to flow. And we may have times in our meetings and in our services where he may be in manifestation multiple times over the course of several weeks. And then all of a sudden that anointing, that special kind of anointing is not a manifestation. He's there, but it's, it's important in his mind that teaching go forth because that's what the people need at the time. So that's why it's very important to follow the Holy Spirit. So we need both the word and the spirit to grow up. Now the gifts of the spirit are not toys. They aid in the revealing of pulling down strongholds of the devil. They equip us for God's service and they help meet the needs of humanity. Now, these gifts, they operate and they can operate in your personal life. They can operate in church meetings. They can operate in your prayer time or even one-to-one soul winning. Okay. These gifts of the spirit will operate, like I said, in your personal life, in church meetings, in your prayer time, or one-on-one with soul winning evangelism. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit opens up one to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. That's why I love that. I don't have to teach on it. Pastor Anthony already taught on it. We're good to go. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what opens up the door for us to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. The more you pray in tongues and stir up your prayer language, the more you will become susceptible to be used in these manifestations. In these manifestations, praying in the Spirit enlarges your capacity to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. You want me to repeat that? The baptism of the Holy Spirit opens up one to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. The more you pray in tongues, the more you become susceptible to be used in these manifestations. Praying in the Spirit enlarges your capacity to be used in the gifts. Now, I don't believe I'm going to be teaching on the benefits of praying in tongues, but you remember that the Apostle Paul said, I thank my God, I speak in tongues more than you all. So it's very important for us to exercise our prayer language. And the more we do, the more it causes us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And it opens up the door for us to be used in these manifestations, meaning it makes us more susceptible. Okay, so let's go ahead. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to go ahead and read um, verse 1 through 14. It says here, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So these manifestations are a plus. They are not a minus, and they're given to, as a prophet to us all. And then he goes on to explain what the gifts are. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the same spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues amplified says diverse kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that body being one, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So I just want to give you a brief explanation of the chapter, this particular chapter, um, in verse two, um, it says here, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Now, the church of Corinth was having problems. The Corinthian church was having problems. Um, and previously, previous to their conversion, they were carried away with passions into senseless worship of dumb idols designed to excite and gratify their animal appetites and so paul was bringing correction and he was letting them know listen you know that this is what your lifestyle was but he's saying with the scripture says these these manifestations they don't point to idols they don't point to your gratification your soulless nature it always points to jesus they always point to jesus 
who is the key figure in all of God's plans. So he was correcting him and bringing correct them, correction. And then verse three, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And it was the practice among the Jews to call Jesus accursed, one so abdominal as not fit to live on earth. It was an early practice among heathen persecutors to force believers to call Jesus accursed. And that Greek word accursed is D-I-A-K-O-N-I-O-N. And, and, and um, oh, okay, not the Greek word for accursed. It, the Greek, that Greek word is, is talking about ministries, services, and offices. So he's saying here that no one can say that no one by the spirit ever calls Jesus a curse. And that's, uh, that's speaking the obvious, okay? And we all know that. But again, he was bringing correction to them. So then verse four through six, he says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God. Um, it is the same God who works all in all. So basically what he's saying here is these gifts of the spirit that we're going to go and explain, he says they operate differently through different people. Okay. And there, and there's a variety of different ways that they can operate. Like we said, they can operate in your prayer time. It can operate um, when a person is preaching. I, I get that a lot. I, I, I don't know it. I didn't know it at the time, but I would prophetically preach and not even know that I was operating in the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. So they operate differently through different people. What I love about the Holy Spirit is he is a person. He lives on the inside of us, but he flows through our personalities. And so it's just all of us being open to the different ways and means whereby he manifests himself. So the apostle Paul was making it clear that he operates differently through different people. And that's why it's important for us not to put God in a box and say he can only work this way and no other way. Okay. Because I think sometimes just when we think we've got the Holy Spirit figured out, he breaks out of the box and he goes and he does something completely different. So it's just being open to his, his manifestations, open to the moving of the Spirit and allowing him to move, you know, in ways that he desires to move. I mean, I've had this happen multiple times where I would be preaching and in the middle of my preaching, I had an unction to give a message in tongues. And then right in the middle of my message, teaching or preaching, I'd give a message in tongues and then I would have an interpretation of tongues. What is that? It's just a different way the Holy Spirit desired to manifest at that time. You know, so I just do my best. And that's what we're all trying to do to just follow after the Holy Spirit and know that, you know, our singleness of purpose is to meet the needs of the people and to glorify God. Okay. So then verse seven, it says here for the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all that that actually means the manifestation of the spirit means to show to make visible so the manifestation or when these gifts are in manifestation and they're they're visible these operations are a plus and not a minus they're a good thing not a bad thing we should covet the gifts of the spirit um and they only bring glory and honor to the church, especially in evangelism. Okay, now let's go back. If you have your Bible, to First Corinthians chapter twelve again, and we're going to look down here at verse twenty-seven. It says, "Now you are the body of Christ and members individually." And God has pointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? 
Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And then, you know, he goes into talking about love after that, which all these gifts should follow after love. Love should always be the driving force for, the, for us to desire and long to be used in the gifts of the spirit. And love doesn't seek its own. Love isn't showy. Love doesn't desire attention. But our singleness of purpose should always be to meet the needs of the people. Okay. So he says, yet he said, desire the best gifts. And I've heard people say, well, prophecy is the best gift because it, there's somewhere in the scriptures where it says that prophecy, I, I would that you all prophesy that that's the best gift. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you, the best gift is really the gift that is needed at the time. If somebody needs a miracle, they don't need a word of prophecy. They need a miracle. They need a manifestation of the gift of faith and the working of miracles. They don't need a prophecy. So the best gift is really the gift that's needed at the time. Okay. Now, remember, we're still introducing. But look here at 1 Corinthians 14. 1. He says here, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. So he's saying desire spiritual gifts. That word desire um, means to covet, to crave, to long for. We should desire that these gifts be in manifestation. There's another scripture that says it's according to your earnest expectation and hope. The more we expect, the more we desire, the more we long for these gifts, the Holy Spirit will respond to that desire and he will, he, will, he will want to manifest. The problem I think we have in some circles is that people, they're not desiring the gifts, they're afraid of the gifts or they're quenching the spirit. They're, they're, they're suppressing him. And they don't want him to be a manifestation. But here's the flip side. The Lord said, I want you to covet them, desire them, crave for them. One of the gifts that, We've been craving those, you know, Maria knows, you know, those that have been in my meetings, we've been desiring and craving Acts, that Acts 1044 would happen, that while we're preaching, you know, just preaching the word, that the Holy Spirit would fall on all the, those that hear the word, and that signs and wonders would be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. We've specifically been coveting and longing and believing God for the power gifts to be in manifestation. And the power gives to the gifts of healings, working of miracles, and the gifts of faith. Those are the, the, the kinds of um, giftings that uh, gifts that were in manifestation in the ministry of Catherine Coleman. You know, where nobody, nobody had, you know, nobody, you know, it wasn't about anybody's faith that people were getting miracles. It was just the Holy Spirit manifesting, and it was the grace of God in operation. As a matter of fact, in her meetings, people used to come to her meetings. And they were people that were there to discredit her, to talk about her, to write bad articles about her. And they were some of the very ones that received healing by the grace of God and the power of God through these power gifts. So we personally, in our meetings, have been craving the power gifts to be a manifestation because we have, we have tongues, we have interpretation, we have prophecy, we have word of wisdom, we have word of knowledge. We have those gifts in manifestation. But we have not, as of yet, in our time, seen the full potential of the power gifts of manifestation. That is where we see real miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm going to get into this, but it's coming up, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. And a miracle is an intervention into the ordinary course of nature. For example, when the Red Sea was divided, that was a miracle. That wasn't just God, you know, working miracles of manifestation. That wasn't just God going, okay. We're going to part the Red Sea now. That was actually the working of miracles in operation. The only thing Moses had to do was he had to use his rod and obey God. You know, yield and be obedient to, to the voice of God. And a miracle happened. Well, that's what I really would. You know, we just have been really desiring and craving and believing God and standing in faith. Lord, you know, we can't make these things happen. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by your spirit. It's not the work of man. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
and we can't work a miracle, okay? We need God to do it, okay? So that's re really where I'm at, what I'm craving, what I'm desiring, what I'm longing for. We've had all the other gifts in manifestation, but we need to really start to really believe God for these other gifts, okay? Now, these gifts cannot be earned. They are called gifts to reveal that there is only one way to obtain them. They are given to the church and are important. These gifts are not optional. The people in the church have missed God in the past by deciding for themselves whether or not they would accept them. They are not placed in the church on a take it or leave it proposition. We either take them or we lose what we have. That's why we've got to stir up the gifts of God. We've got to believe God. We've got to earnestly desire, covet that these things be a manifestation. Amen. Uh, we need that. We need these manifestations. Okay. Again, we're introducing the gifts of the spirit. Okay. So in talking about the gifts of the spirit, I want to lay a foundation about the number three. The number of divine perfection is three, three. There's the threefold nature of God, 1 John 5, 7 and 8. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there, and there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Then there's the threefold nature of man. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And I pray and pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who has called you is faithful and he will do it. So the mark of divine perfection is three. And we see this mark of divine perfection in the gifts of the spirit. There are three primary categories. Within the three categories, there are three subgroups. Okay, number one, there's the revelation gifts. Now the revelation gifts are the gifts that reveal something. The revelation gifts are number one, the word of wisdom. Number two, the word of knowledge. Number three, discerning of spirits, the revelation gifts. Number two, there's the power gifts. They are the gifts that do something. What are the power gifts? The gift of faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. Then there's the inspiration gifts. These are the gifts that say something. It's prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now we separate them because we're teaching on them, but they seldom operate alone. Got it? We separate them to teach on them, but they seldom operate alone. Just a little side note here. We said the three subgroups are revelation, power gifts, and inspiration. Now, man came up with that. As a matter of fact, I got the, this, these uh, subtitles, uh, the categories actually from Kenneth E. Hagan. And one day I was prophesying at one of our KIU events and the Lord said several things. And one of the things he said, it was so interesting to me when I was prophesying, he said, he said, you're going to see more and more and more and more of the manifestation. Then he said, which I thought was kind of funny of what you call the power gifts. You know, he was like, what you call the Lord said, the power gifts. Yeah, I thought that was funny. So anyway, we, we separate them to teach on them. So there's revelation, there's the power gifts, and there's the gifts of inspiration. Now, these gifts are perfect, but they often operate through imperfect vessels. So we could say, well, 
They're perfect, but they operate through imperfect vessels. That's why we do our best not to put our own interpretation on things. For example, like if I'm seeing something in my spirit or hearing something in my spirit, I'll, I do my best to say exactly what I'm seeing or hearing so as not to put my own interpretation on it. And I've had that happen over and over and over and over. You're seeing something or you're hearing something. And if you're not careful, your head will get in there and you'll put your own interpretation on it. But it's keeping it pure, keeping it simple, just saying exactly what the, what the Holy Spirit is saying and not adding to it or taking away from it. So the gifts are pure, but they operate through imperfect vessels, okay? I said it, we separate the gifts <clears throat> for the sake of teaching and clarification, but they seldom operate alone. They operated in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. They operated in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, except I'm, I'm talking about in the New Testament, we see Jesus, he operated in all the gifts of the spirit, except tongues and interpretation of tongues. Because tongues and interpretation of tongues and then our prayer language tongues is for this dispensation only. And Jesus had not yet been glorified. The Holy Spirit was upon him. God had anointed him to preach, anointed him to operate in the gifts, anointed him to work miracles. He operated in the gifts of the spirit. He operated in the word of knowledge. He operated in the word of wisdom. He foresaw things. He foretold things. He told the woman, you have five husbands. He operated in all those gifts, except tongues and interpretation of tongues. Okay? Okay? In each of these categories, these gifts are listed in the order of their importance. Now, I the best gift in any situation, in my opinion, is the gift that is most needed at the time. Okay? So I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna review really quick again. There are three primary categories, which in the three categories, there are three subgroups. There's the revelation gifts, gifts that reveal something. There's the power gifts, the gifts that do something. And there's the inspirational gifts, the gifts that say something, okay? So we're gonna go ahead, since we have time, I'm gonna, go ahead and introduce the word of knowledge. What is the word of knowledge? Now, when it says for, to one is given by the spirit, the word of knowledge, notice he says here, it is a word of knowledge. It's a word of what God knows. It's not everything he knows about a person, place, situation, nation, whatever the case may be. It's just a word of what he knows is being revealed to you. And the word of knowledge always speaks of past or the present. Never speaks of anything in the future. That's the word of wisdom. But the word of knowledge always speaks of the past and the present. The word of knowledge. Now, when he says the word of knowledge, He's not talking about natural knowledge. The, a word of knowledge. It's a word. It's not the gift of knowledge. It's a supernatural manifestation of one of the gifts of the spirit. That's why the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning these spiritual gifts. So it's, that's why it's important for us to really explain them. The word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation by the Holy Ghost of certain facts in the mind of God concerning people, places, and things. He knows everything, but he does not reveal everything. A word equals a fragment, a fragmenting, ment, mentoring part, fragmenting part of what God knows. 
It's just a fragment of what he knows. Because he doesn't always want us to know. He doesn't want us to know everything. Don't you wish that we, he would just reveal everything? That's why the Bible says we know in part, we prophesy in part. Okay, so it's just a fragment of what God knows. Now, how does this work? How can this word of knowledge come? The word of knowledge can come in a vision. It can come in a dream. It can come through the vehicle of prophecy. Remember, we said they seldom operate alone. It can come through the vehicle. I call it vehicle of prophecy. It can come by an inward voice. It can come where you see it, you hear it, or you just know it. Here, we're going to give some examples. We'll see how far we get. In the book of Revelation, Jesus appears to John in a vision. The revelation came in the form of a vision. Now, God knew the condition of the seven churches. And actually, they did exist back then. Even though it's prophetic, we know it's for us today, but that's not what we're talking about today. So we look at it, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to give you 1, 8, 12, and 18. To the church of Ephesus write, these things say he who holds the seven stars in his hands, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Okay. He was writing to the church of Ephesus. And to the angel of the church in Cimerna, right? Then he's saying, these things say to the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Then he spoke to the angel of the church of Paragamos. And he said, these things say he who has the sharp two-edged sword. And then he spoke to the angel in Tytheria. He said, these things say to the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet fine like brass. And basically, he explained exactly what was going on in each and every one of these churches. Now, how did, how did this come? This came in a vision. This came to him. In the word of knowledge, Revelations 3, 1, 7, 14. And to the angel of the church at Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And the, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy and he who is true, he who is the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts that no one opens. And to the angel of the church at the Laodiceans, right? These things say the amen, the faithful, the true, and the witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So he, he said all these things, we're not getting into all the things that he said, but all the things that was revealed about all of these churches came as a word of knowledge in a vision. Revelations 1, 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He said, and I heard a voice behind me as of a trumpet saying, I am the alpha, I am the omega, I am the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Cymerna, to Pergamos, to... I, I, I can't pronounce it, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So this word of knowledge came to them, came to him in a vision. Here's another vision, Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 12. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, arise. Go down to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. Now, how did he know that? He knew by the word of knowledge. And the Lord gave it to him in a vision. He gave him the name of the street. <laughs> 
<laughs> he gave him the guy's name. He told him what he was doing. And then he goes on to say, and in a vision, he had seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Now that's a pretty big major, that's a major word of knowledge going on, but it came in the form of a vision. Do you see it? Can you see the gifts in operation in the early church? Okay. Now it can also come. Now, one point I just want to make, you know, this was revealed, Ananias. He was not a fivefold ministry. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. So these gifts can happen to any believer. You don't have to be in fivefold ministry gift. Although some, the fivefold ministry gifts, there are gifts that constitute their office, and that's a whole nother, a whole nother teaching. But these gifts can operate through an ordinary person, just a church person, one who's just open to the Lord and saying, yes, I covet earnestly that the gifts operate through me. Okay, these gifts can operate. Here we go, a trance or a vision. Acts 10, 9 through 20. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Peter was just minding his own business. He went up to the housetop, it was about the sixth hour, and he was going to pray. Then he became very hungry and he wanted to eat. <clears throat> but while he made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens open and an object like a great sheep bound at four corners, descending to him and let down to earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, no, 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 no. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. No, 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 that's not kosher. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And a voice spoke to him the second time and said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. Thank God for the patience of the Holy Ghost. And the object was taken up into heaven. Now, Peter, while he was wondering within himself what this vision, which he had seen, meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked Simon, whose surname was Peter, who was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I've sent them. That was a word of knowledge. 100% word of knowledge. Three men are seeking you. I've sent them. Don't doubt it. It's okay. That's the word of knowledge. Okay. Number four, with the word of knowledge was given to warn a king of an enemy's plan of destruction. Now, the reason I'm giving you all these scriptures is because it's going to build our faith. It's going to build our faith. It's given to warn a king of the, of the plans of the enemy's disrupt, destruction. Every time an enemy would set up an ambush against Israel, the prophet of God would tell Israel their plans. The king actually thought they had a traitor. Second Kings 6, 9 through 13. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned them. And he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and he said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. Okay, that's the word of knowledge. Thank God for the word of knowledge, okay? I'm gonna give you, I'm just gonna keep giving you examples. I, I'm looking forward to getting to the ones with, where Jesus operated. Here's, here we see one given to enlighten and, and encourage a discouraged servant. 
1 Kings 19. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and do more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough, Lord, take my life for am I no better than my father's? He was discouraged. Elijah was discouraged. And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I am alone, the only one left. And they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, here's a word of knowledge. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, arrive anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu as king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shapat, you shall anoint us as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu, will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah, will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth has not kissed him. That was a word of knowledge. He encouraged this discouraged servant. And he said, listen, you're not the only one left here. I've got 7,000 more that haven't bowed their knees to Baal. Cheer up, okay? Now, the word of knowledge, interesting, can uh, reveal corruption in the church. Acts chapter five, verse one through six, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it and brought it to a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? That was a word of knowledge. He did not know that in the natural. It was not natural knowledge. While it remained, and was it not your own? After all, it was sold. Was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last breath. So fear came upon all those that heard these things, and the young man arose, men arose wrapped him up and carried him out. So the word of knowledge was used to reveal corruption in the church, okay? And there's many, many more examples, but I'm going to read you uh, when Jesus operated in the word of knowledge. John four, Jesus knew by an inward revelation, a woman in Samaria. And he used this, this was used to point her to salvation. John 4, but Jesus needed to go through Samaria. So he was compelled. He had an inward witness. He had to go. And here we see a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will be in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Lord, give me, sir. She didn't say, Lord. She said, sir. Give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, here's the word of knowledge. Call your husband and come here. 
The woman answered and said, I, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband for you've had five husbands. And the one whom you are have now is not your husband, word of knowledge, in that you spoke truly. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So Jesus operated when he said to her, you have had five husbands and the guy you're with right now is, isn't even your husband. That was the word of knowledge in operation. It was something happening in the present and something happening in the past. You had five husbands. Now I'm going to give you an example of my own life. Um, something that happened to me um, years and years and years and years ago. I, I was praying and I was in my closet and I was just, I, it was a time when the Lord was teaching me how to be led by his spirit and not always have my list and go into prayer. And when I was praying, I was just yielding to the Holy Spirit. I was praying in tongues. And as I prayed in tongues, I found myself saying, I, I had an interpretation to my tongues and the words came up out of my spirit. And I found myself saying, in interpretation of my tongues, it's a virus, it's a virus, it's a virus. And I stopped praying and I said, it's a virus. What does that mean? What's a virus? I had no idea what the Holy Spirit was revealing to me, but I knew I was getting a prayer assignment. It was being downloaded. And so I just kept praying in tongues and praying in tongues. And I had this grieving in my spirit. I was grieved and had the groanings and the, yeah, I just kept yielding and yielding and yielding. And every once in a while, I'd, I would pray out, it's a virus, it's a virus, like alert, alert, it's a virus, it's a virus. And so I just kept praying and praying and praying and praying. And then the time came, you know, I, I had to get ready for bed. I had to go to school. I had things to do. So I, I, I stopped the prayer assignment, stopped the prayer burden because the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The spirit wasn't going to force me or make me do anything. I had to yield to him. And so I, I went and did my thing. And the next day when I went into prayer, I, again, the same manifestation rose up within me. The Holy Spirit rose up. I began to pray in tongues. And, and, and the interpretation was, it's a virus. It's a virus. And it was a prayer alert. It's a prayer burden. It was honestly, it was a sense of, and oh my God, it's a virus. Like alert, 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 alert. And I just kept praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And I didn't get a victory. This is intercession. I didn't get a victory. I didn't get that note of victory. I didn't get that laughter. I didn't get that lightness. Like I, I just had that burden. And I went to bed that night, went to sleep, did my thing the next day. When I went into prayer, I had that same burden. And I just, Oramahasayaha. And it was, a, it was a, a movement, so to speak, in my praying. And there was a groaning and there was a movement. And it was a prayer assignment and it was intercession. And I just kept saying, it's a virus, it's a virus, alert, alert, it's a virus. And, and I, I just stopped and I'm like, what the heck is going on? What is it? I didn't know what it was. All I had was one word. It was a virus. Didn't know who it was for, had no idea who it was for. I just knew one word, it was a virus. So that was day three of the prayer assignment. And, and, and I said to my roommate at the time, when I, when I left the place of prayer, I said, I just keep praying out. It's a virus. And, and I looked on the inside. Remember, we taught you guys to look on the inside. I looked on the inside and I was like, who is it? What's it for? And I didn't get a word. I just had a sense by an inward intuition. It was somebody in my family. I just had a sense it was somebody in my family. And I don't know how I knew that. I just had a sense. And that was like a Friday. And then the weekend came. I let the alert go. I didn't pray it through to victory. And on Monday morning, about four in the morning, I got a phone call from my mother. And the, the, my mother said, Margie, she said, uh, she said, John's baby died. And I'm like, you're kidding. And she said, no, he died. And of course, you know, my brother had a baby. It was a six month old baby. His name was John and he passed away. And when they did the autopsy on him, 
they they found out that he he died of a virus that had attacked his central nervous system and that's what caused the child to pass and my brother and his wife they took him to the hospital you know how it is when you have a baby you know the kid your child can have a, vi- a, 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 a temperature and you wait it out you put the baby in the bath and you give him Tylenol and you call the doctor you take him to the doctor whatever you know they, they eventually took him to the hospital and the baby just didn't make it so he passed away what did he pass away a virus had attacked his central nervous system what's the lesson the lesson is uh number one for me the lesson was i didn't pray it through to victory i didn't pray it through to victory that's the prayer of intercession i believe that if i had prayed it through to victory maybe something would have alerted maybe something would have happened maybe they would have gotten him to the hospital sooner i don't know what i do know is that the holy spirit knew that the baby was either at the time the virus was working in his body or he knew that it was coming. I don't know if it was a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom because I didn't know the time line of that, but I did not pray it through to victory and therefore the baby passed. I believe that the Holy Spirit was warning me. Uh, he found an intercessor, one that would stand in the gap. He wanted to pray it through to victory. You know, God said in his word, my, I come that you may have life and life more abundantly. It's the thief that comes to kill, steal and destroy. It wasn't you know, God's will that a six month old baby go to heaven, you know, that was just the, it was just sickness and disease and the enemy just took him out, but the intercession could have stopped it. So it was either a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, depending on the timeline, because the word of knowledge would have said right here and now it's happening right here and now word of wisdom, which we're going to talk about next week is talking, seeing something in the future that's going to happen. And so that was just one time I operated in, in that were in one of the revelation gifts and it actually happened in prayer. So I just wanted to share that example and just know that these manifestations, they, they, they're not limited to the four walls of a church. They can happen right in your own prayer time and in your prayer closet. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.